Well, happy Super Bowl Thursday to all my friends and fellow countrymen here in Metro Detroit. Yes, for years and years, uh, the NFL draft has been referred to as Detroit's Super Bowl. And I actually feel like that's more true um, this year than ever. But but for complete opposite reasons. Obviously, um, in the past, draft day has been uh, referred to as uh, Lions fans Super Bowl because normally our season is over so quickly that uh, this is the day where hope springs most eternal and we can start uh, we can start our next year um, in regards to the term of wait till next year uh, but this year I think it's it, it's got kind of a, a Super Bowl of uh, for Detroit Lions fans feel for a complete different reason. I think that um, today feels more like a, a huge event, today's draft, uh, because the Lions are showing promise. They, are, they, they obviously were trending in the right direction at the end of last season, just barely missing uh, the playoffs. Uh, this year they are, um, they are predicted by just about every expert, which is a, could be a good thing or a bad thing, uh, to win the NFC North. And on top of that, we have a competent GM that people are, uh, they have their faith in. So it, it's not its not empty hope, and, and, and this is as good as the Lions season is going to get um, Super Bowl Thursday. It's, hey, the Lions are l- looking good. Uh, they're trending in, in the right direction. Things look like they're being turned around. And, hey, it looks like we have a GM who knows what he's doing. He, he hits on the uh, early round picks with... Penny Sewell and 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 um, Hutchinson, and he he finds up diamonds in the rough, and the um, in the later rounds with uh, Amon Ra St. Brown and um, Rodrigo, star of Hard Knocks. Now the Jamison Williams pick obviously remains to be seen. This was going to be uh, the year where that uh, first round gamble Brad Holmes took on him uh, back in twenty twenty one. Um, was going to pay off. And I remember back when that happened, uh, Lions fans groaned, and, 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 and it seemed like Brad Holmes didn't know what he was doing at the past because we've been, we, we, at the time, because we've been burned so many times in the past. Um, and we're like, oh, God, okay, we just came out of the Quintricia era, and now this guy is, is drafting uh, uh, an injured wide receiver in the first round. Uh, so this was going to be... Um, um, Jameson Williams um, vindication year. And it still could be, but obviously um, he's suspended for the first six games because he just had to gamble on non-NFL games at the team's practice facility instead of going around the uh, the block and, and, and placing the bets from his cell phone at the target parking lot on the hill. It's more of a geographic infraction than anything else but uh, I, I think even with this uh, the, the Jameson Williams pick still in question still up in the air he might turn out to be a bust because uh, he can't get healthy and when he is healthy he can't get out of his own way um, even if if uh, you know it turns out that he's missed too many t- too much time in his first two seasons and and uh, it, it you know that gamble didn't really pay off I think Brad Holmes at least in the first two drafts, and he has an opportunity to spend this in this third draft, has garnered enough confidence and goodwill that even if uh, 
uh, Jameson Williams never sees the field or he uh, never realizes his full potential, I think uh, Brad Holmes has earned a mulligan on him. But it still might work out. Six um, six weeks. Uh, I don't even think the Lions got it to- together until after Thanksgiving last year, which obviously if they would have gotten together, gotten it together a little bit sooner, they would have made the playoffs. And, uh, you know, it, it, it seemed like we had a potentially um, really potent and dominant wide receiving duo uh, with Amon Ross St. Brown, Jamison Williams, and then, of course, we brought back Marvin Jones to be the third guy left wide open when defenses were um, focused on those two. But six weeks isn't a, a ton of time to, to wait. And the good news is is that the Lions – had um, one of the best offenses in the league last year, and the dude only caught one pass. So at this point, he's he's more of a luxury than a necessity, and we'll see him when we see him. But I do got to say, I'm not a huge draft guy. You know, I mean, there there are people who, uh, and, and it's evident, the draft used to start on uh, Saturday morning, and it's expanded to, uh, to, to to Thursday evening, the first round. I'm not a huge draft guy. I mean, I don't follow the mock drafts. I don't, uh, you know, I, I, I don't sit there and speculate on all the prospects. Uh, to me, the best way I like to watch the draft is to Google the results afterwards. And um, so, but for everyone watching, it's coming to Detroit next year, which I'm sure will be a hell of a lot of fun. I hear that actually the draft itself is and and the combine are are really great fan events. Um, it's in Kansas City this year, and uh, they just won the Super Bowl. So maybe maybe the fact that uh, the Lions are trending in the right direction, and and we have the um, the draft next year, maybe that'll bring us a little bit of luck. We'll see. Um, a town in New Jersey has has come up with a very interesting solution um, to parents heckling umpires. And at the little league level, these 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 umpires are are mostly voluntary. Um, you know, they're they're either retired and trying to stay active, or they have normal jobs during the week, and and, and they're doing this out of the kindness of their heart and uh, love of the game and, and, and to you know support youngsters who are um, learning the game and, and at the very least doing something after school with their time and keeping them out of trouble. Uh, and so this, this uh, Little League in Deptford Township, New Jersey, which is a suburb of Philadelphia, uh, they're having a number of, of volunteer umpires quit. And the reason they're quitting is because they're sick of being uh, of putting up with with heckling and abuse from parents in the stands. Uh, so the league has put a new rule in place: if you are caught heckling an umpire, you are banned from all little league games until you have umpired three other games. And the stipulation is that uh, there will be an actual umpire on the diamond making real calls in, in case, you know, these these rookie parent volunteers uh, are, are not as good at, at this as they think they are. Which, uh, that that part, obviously, it's a safeguard against, uh, against bad umpiring, but I feel like that might actually put the umpires in a an awkward situation, too, because if these are the type of parents 
who heckle from the stands and they make a bad call and the umpire contradicts them, isn't that just going to lead to more arguments and, 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 and more abusive behavior? Um, hopefully the parent will be outnumbered by the other umpires and, and he'll, they'll be overruled and, and they'll probably be embarrassed a time or two because they're going to, they're probably going to make way more bad calls than the trained umpires who they were heckling in, in the first place. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not alone. I think this is a great, I, I think this is a great, uh, great idea. I think it'll be more of a deterrent than a punishment. You're probably not going to see a whole lot of parents, um, taking them up on this three-game offer, so it'll probably keep them from heckling the umpires in the stands. And the one or two, the, the one or two who actually uh, go through with it and, and decide to heckle the umpires anyway because they feel like they actually uh, could do a better job, and I do see a couple of parents actually taking them up on this. Um, it, 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 it's a very smart and innovation, innovative solution to this and look I mean here's the thing I was lucky when I played sports as a kid I wasn't very good so <laughs> if the umpire called me out or, or or the referee called me for a penalty they were probably right so uh, you know my parents my, my parents were always there to give me a ride and support me even though I didn't play much and if I did play I didn't play very well um, so I don't know the embarrassment of, of, of having that parent but you know, I was a kid in the '90s playing esports back then, and that parent was that that parent has been around since the dawn of youth sports, and I could only imagine that it's not only embarrassing for the kid whose parent is is constantly heckling the umpires because you know their their kid's a superstar and can do no wrong. It's also probably embarrassing for for the kid um, who is is the target indirectly of this heckling you know um you, you an umpire there, there's a questionable play at home or there's a questionable play at third base and and the tag is is close and you got this uh this this butthead bet up in the bleacher saying oh come on ump that kid was safe by a mile or that kid uh you know it, it was a weak throw you're also insulting the other kids on the field um, indirectly. And so that can be very damaging. I mean, look, it's little league, it's low stakes. If there's a bad, if, if, if your, your kid's team loses by a point because of a bad call, so what? Um, you know, as you get into the high school levels where you've got scholarships and things at risk, you can, you, you can almost understand the logic, but still it's, it's, it's the coach's job to argue balls and strikes or bad calls. It's not the parents. If you want, I would even say, I would even go, go a step further. Hey, if you want to, if you want to argue with the umpires, become a coach. That's even bigger. Uh, that's an even bigger commitment because you've got to be there for every game. I'm not saying that, that, that coaches make more of a, uh, more of a commitment than umpires come because umpires have to do multiple games, but as a punishment, being a coach, being there for every single game, little league games are uh, seasons are what 10, 12 games. Um, so instead of three games, you're committed for ten games, and at least you would have the legal authority uh, to argue with umpires. And the only punishment you would face is 
maybe being ejected from the game. So we'll see. We'll see how this works. Um, I'm sure if this does work, it'll become a model for little leagues um, and, and, and youth leagues, for that matter, all around the country. Looks like Florida has finally had enough of Ron DeSantis and uh, his crony lawyers trying to uh, push them around. Of course, if you listen to this podcast, you know the um, the whole history of Ron DeSantis versus Disney. If you're new, the Reader's Digest version is that uh, Ron DeSantis supported this Don't Say Gay bill um, in Florida schools. If you don't know what that is, Google it. I'm not going to bore, bore Paul with this because uh, he listens every episode and he's heard me explain this. Multiple, multiple times, um, Ron DeSantis got behind this Don't Say Gay bill in Florida schools. Uh, Disney had a problem with it. They spoke out against it. Ron DeSantis decided to be punitive and say, hey, look, um, since you guys are, are agreeing, uh, disagreeing with something that I said and um, disagreeing with um, a policy I'm putting into place, you hurt my feelings. You got this uh, sweetheart deal with the state of Florida where you don't pay as much taxes, but you take care of uh, – uh, your own roads, your own infrastructure, your own government infrastructure, your your policing, fire, EMS, all that stuff. Um, so um, since the state of Florida is not going to have to pay for that, you guys can pay uh, the state of Florida a little bit less in taxes. And it's been mutually beneficial for both Disney and Florida. And Ron DeSantis has tried to revoke that because Disney dare speak out against the decision that he has made Um it's called the Reedy Creek Agreement. So what he did is he is he tried tearing up that Reedy Creek Agreement, putting uh, and uh, when he found out that that would cost uh, Florida taxpayers uh, a billions billions of billions of dollars, he put some oversight board in place that was pretty much just his own handpicked group of of conservative cronies um, to pretty much not let Disney have any power over anything. Uh, the outgoing board uh, at Disney Oversight Board put in place a poison pill or a bunch of rules that would essentially render that board powerless um, when Ron DeSantis and his board found out about this move that the outgoing board pulled. Um, they decided to lawyer up and start threatening things like toll roads, hotel taxes, uh, building a competing <laughs> amusement park or state prison next to Disney World. I mean, it's just been ridiculous. Well, the folks at Disney feel it's also ridiculous because finally they're lawyering up and fighting back, um, saying that um, the state of Florida is taking punitive action against them and infringing on their First Amendment rights. Um, so finally they, they sat back, they've had enough, and, you know, I've got nothing new to say on this other than good. I'm glad Disney is fighting back because uh, Ron DeSantis is supposed to be uh, the next superstar of the Republican Party and um, trying to punish a business, uh, which is one of the, the biggest economic drivers of your state, definitely of Orlando, Kissimmee, that, that entire region. That's not very pro-business. And he's on this little uh, uh, trade mission to 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 Tokyo um, to try to bring Japanese companies to Florida. And you know maybe you wouldn't have to work so hard bringing um, bringing foreign businesses to your state if you just stop screwing around with the ones that are in your state and are working. 
So Ron DeSantis is going to be a very interesting test case to see where America is on these culture war issues. Um, I would say before 2022, I would say that these culture war issues work very well because uh, from 2016 to 2022, we were in the era of the of Donald Trump political dominance. And it seemed like his uh, fiery rhetoric got uh, got Republicans very far um, in their political careers. But come 2022, especially with the overturning Roe versus Wade, it seems like these culture war issues um, are, are pretty much for the comment section, not ne- necessarily for the electorate. But that could always change. My, my prediction is that this war with Disney is going to hurt Ron DeSantis if he's trying to run for higher public office outside of Florida. But I've been surprised in the past. And, and I think we are going to, it's going to be very interesting to watch Ron DeSantis um, to see if this war against Disney, which is a very popular company, even though he's trying to villainize them as, as, as weirdos and groomers, which there really hasn't been any evidence of that. But he's, he's trying nonetheless, and it's going to be interesting to see if this helps him or hurts him with voters. I think that the silent majority of voters don't really see any evidence of these threats that he's trying to um, paint for people, because that's a very uh, powerful political strategy, isn't it? Come up with a boogeyman. Present yourself as the only person that can protect people from that boogeyman, and they'll vote for you to keep you safe. And I think that's what he's trying to do here um, with, with, with Disney and what he's trying to do uh, with anti-LGBTQ legislation. And uh, if it if it helps propel him politically, I think uh, I, I, I think that's uh, evidence that uh, we're in not a very good place in the United States when it comes to tolerance and in culture war issues. And if it help and if it hurts him um, and, you know, he doesn't he, he doesn't propel himself uh, to the Republican nomination and, and subsequently president. I don't know if that's really any evidence that uh, we're, we're, we're a progressive nation because the other choice is Donald Trump. But in a weird way, Donald Trump getting the nomination over Ron DeSantis might show that we're a little more progressive than we thought. Because Donald Trump, he talks a lot of crap. Um, there's not, there has not been a fight he's been invited to where he has declined the invitation. But he's not focusing on these culture war issues like Ron DeSantis is down in Florida. And the fact that he's so popular in Florida, I think, maybe uh, skews that perception as well. Because Florida Florida has become kind of this conservative mecca, this conservative paradise. Um, where, look, if Marjorie Taylor Greene wants that national divorce, I'd be fine with it. You guys can have Florida. Leave, leave, leave the rest of the United States to us. Because... Florida is at risk of becoming a really backwater, a really backwater regressive place to live. And I think Ron DeSantis, he's either A, trying to flirterize the rest of the United States and make us as regressive as Florida seems to be trending, or he doesn't really want to be president and he's just building his pundit career for after the election. 
We'll see.